0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled, multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Boldly shall we. And here's what what I want to do right now. Maybe you got touched in worship. Maybe God did something in your life in worship. Maybe, uh, may, maybe you, you, you recognize that you need Jesus uh, in worship. Maybe you've realized when we began to praise God that he's worthy of it all, and we began to um, recognize, and you begin to experience something in worship. Perhaps you recognize maybe that you've never given your life to God. Perhaps you've recognized that maybe you knew about God, but He isn't actually an active part of your life right now. Uh, Perhaps you recognize that you are a Christian. You've been a Christian, but you're not actually following Him, or you're stuck in a lifestyle of sin. I believe that Jesus is here to heal us of our sin problem. Amen? Amen? And so if that's you, If that's you, what we're going to do is we're going to do a declaration of faith right now about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to do it in faith that you are giving your life to God and you are are ascribing your life to this declaration of faith in receiving Christ as your Savior. Amen? Amen. So let's declare this boldly, shall we? Shall we? Amen. Let's say it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the the resurrection of the body. Come on. Amen. Amen. Give a clap offering to God. Just touch a couple people and declare your peace upon their lives. Just declare, I declare the peace of God over your life. I declare the peace of God over your life. Brandon, I feel like I'm screaming. If you can just give me a little more juice, I'd appreciate it. A little more juice. There we go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How are you feeling this morning, church? You feeling good? You feeling good? You're looking good because we're a good-looking church. Like my wife said, we have a rule uh, for this church. Got to be good-looking people. We got a couple newborn dads in the room right now. They look tired. You feeling all right here, Duke? You all right? You look, you're looking a little tired here. That's no knock on you there. That tells me you, you're being a daddy right? It feels like you're being a daddy. You ever like, like you want, like, I, like, you, like you're single and you want to be married and you want to have a child and then you get married and then all of a sudden you get all kind of drama and you're like, well, you did ask to be married, right? And then, and then you have a child and you're like, you know, I, I like to tell people anytime you take on a new adventure in life, you, you have to be cognizant that you're, you're cutting something else out of your life. Because it's not like if you take on something new, God's going to give you more hours in the week, right? So you have a life, then you add something else to it, and you're going to have to cut something else out, right? So if you're going to go back to school, and I hope all of you get education, you have to recognize you're taking something else out of your life if you're putting something in. This this, just makes sense, right? So if you're taking on a commitment, that means you need to let go of a commitment. Hopefully, you let go of things that are not moving your life forward, and you're uh, adding things that are moving your life forward. That is, that is the hope. That also includes rest. It includes Sabbaths. But when you have a child, you do not recognize, like I want you to, want you to think about this for a second. Your life takes 24 hours a day. Yeah. Right? You're bringing somebody else into your life who also needs 24 hours, but they need your 24 hours. <laughs> right? And so they may sleep some of those times. But, you know, a good 18 hours of the day, they're expecting you, right, to be their life. And so when you have a newborn, um, there's things that happen in your life. And uh, it displaces things that you thought were important because they feel like their things are more important. Any, any, Any parents ever gone through that? The child comes in and the child has decided that it is more important than what you find is important. And nobody signs up for that. Nobody signs up for that. We sign up for the dream of having a child. We we sign up for the dream of being parents. Nobody signs up for the fact that your life no longer matters, right? And so at some point, generally starting around day four, maybe five, but somewhere right there in the early days, you start saying, what is going on right now, right? So like the woman has got like hormonal chemical warfare happening inside her body, right? Like the hormones are going crazy and that is not a knock. They go from producing a child to their body is now keeping a child alive externally. And that takes a a shifting gears, right? And and, and and so like her body's going nuts and, and the man is like, I don't get the hormonal shift. I just get Crazy, right? And so everything is just going wild and you're just like about day four or five, you're like, it's a good thing God made kids cute, right? Like there's a good thing the babies are cute. Otherwise, this would be the last generation, right? Like it was that would be it, right? You would just leave them out. Never mind, I'm gonna say that. We're just but, but things wouldn't be good for babies. And so and so and so we, we just but we get to about week two or three and we realize it hasn't stopped yet. And we realize <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what in the world is going on? I, and, and, and if you're a first-time mom, you know, we hope that you make friends with other moms because you're going to call those first, first-time moms. are going to call, and they're going to be like, um, there's something wrong with my child. And, 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 and you will say, what's wrong with the child? You're like, they don't sleep. And you're like, uh-huh. And, and, but what's wrong? And like, I don't think you understand. Like, when the sun goes down, they're staying up. And you're like, like uh huh, and what and what, what's wrong? You're like, that's when I sleep. Like, oh, oh no, you don't sleep anymore. You don't understand. You had a child. <laughs> you used to sleep, and now you have a child. And you're like, but I didn't. I didn't know. It's like, yes, that's. But but it's but in your delirium. <laughs> in the absolute delirium of having a newborn, you know. I, I hope some of the I hope, hope some of the young singles are here are listening to me now. In the delirium of having a child. Um, um, you, 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 like the sleep deprivation and, and having somebody screaming at you all the time. Um, there's like, like that's, you know, according to the Geneva convention, that's like illegal. You know what I mean? Like you're not allowed to do that to people. Uh, but babies haven't read the Geneva convention yet. And so, um, in their delirium, they start to cry out to family and friends. I really think there's something wrong. And you're like, yeah. And your mom chuckles. (laughs) Because <laughs> are like, I knew one day the payback was coming. The payback is coming. And so, and so as you, here's what's kind of funny. As you call parents of, um, uh, of kids and they start, and, and so there's like this evil club of parents. And, um, and the evil club is, man, that, that, that couple without kids, they sure look like they're having a good time. Y'all should have kids. You know, like that's what they Y'all should really have kids. I think it's probably time for y'all to have kids because you're jealous that they, like, get to just do whatever they want, whenever they want, you know? Like, they get to just, like, just grab a bag and go outside. Like, I think we'll just, you know, leave now. And you're like, ooh, that don't feel right. Y'all should have a kid, right? That, that'll that lock you down for a couple of years, right? Like, that'll, that'll, you, you see what I'm saying? And, 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 um, and, 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 and it's, it's evil, but God uses it somehow to perpetuate the race. Um, and, and so, and so we, 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 we get this confusion, like, what is going on? What is happening? I don't understand the dynamic at play here. Have you ever felt in your life, like, what in the world is going on right now? Has this ever happened to you in your life? What in the world is going on. I, I look around the world today and I kind of feel like that newborn parent where you start looking around and you're like, what in the world is going on? When, when like, you know, it's like you want to tell the world the sun is down, it's time to sleep, right? Like it's like there's so much craziness happening in our world. Geopolitically, uh, uh, ethically, religiously, there's, there's, there's just craziness happening everywhere it, you know a weird phenomena has has begun in our world where lying is not a big deal and 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 we see politicians and we see business leaders and and they just just lie just flat out boldly just just lie and you're like you know this is crazy. just is what you're saying like and you want to say like are we speaking the same language right now because what you're saying is Patently a lie, and they're like, no, they're like, no, but it is, and and I feel that way sometimes about this world. I feel this way sometimes. Have you ever felt this way in your walk with God, like, 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 um, Lord, I thought you were going to do this, and this is not happening, right? Like, Lord, I like, this season was supposed to be the season of prosperity and harvest, uh, yet it's the season of lack and trial. Uh, I thought the season of lack and trial was over. I thought now we've come into springtime, the harvest time, except now I'm finding myself in winter again. Has this ever happened to you? Like, what is going on, God? What, What I was expecting is not happening. What is truth is not manifesting. What is supposed to be good is being called evil. What is evil is being called good. And I do not know what is happening. Has this ever happened to you? Is, am I the only one? I just want to make sure that we're on the same page this morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what in the world is going on? Like, we thought we had things figured out. Well, Jesus talks about this in the Scriptures a lot. He talks about it a lot. And, and we have decided if, if, if we're going to be a prophetic witness, we better figure out who Jesus is and why he's doing what he's doing. Can you say amen? If you had a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 13, we're going to touch there, and then we're going to, we're going to switch on over to, um, to uh, 1 Corinthians in a second. But I need you to stick with me. We're, we're, we're in our message series, uh, Journey to the Cross. And we're preparing ourselves for the passion, the sacrifice, and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And, 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 and it's important that we understand why Jesus what, did what he did. What just seemed like the world was going crazy to the people who knew him the best? Why he did it, anyways, and why we need it again today? Amen. Luke chapter thirteen. If you, if at the beginning of um, Luke chapter thirteen, um, there was this group of Jesus' disciples, and they came to Jesus, and they're saying, you know, uh, hey, you know, there was these Galilean Jews, and 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 Caesar like. Killed them. Herod killed them and he killed these Jews and he got a pagan sacrifice and, and he did this pagan sacrifice with lambs and he took the blood from our brothers, these Jews, and he mixed their blood with these lambs, and he used it in this pagan sacrifice, right? And 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 he and he used it and sprinkled it on their altar. And in the same way, there was like this tower in Siloam and this tower fell down and it killed people. And they're saying to God, like, this is crazy. This is crazy. What is going on in Luke chapter 13? Now, What's interesting is, we need to not only understand what we think, we need to understand the questions that we're asking. And time and again, Jesus challenges his disciples on the questions that they ask him. He is constantly telling them, you can come up with a better question than this. What happens is we ask God the most basic, the most self-centered, the most self-serving questions, and then get offended with God that he doesn't give us an answer. And time and again, God doesn't give us an answer because he's wanting us to ask better questions. Can you say amen? We want to say like, okay, these guys died. These guys were killed and their sacrifice were mixed. That was because they were evil, right? And Jesus is like, y'all don't ask very good questions. this This whole question is built on a whole series of presumptions that are not true. And when you build questions on false assumptions, you can only get disappointing answers. I need somebody to get that. That's going to answer somebody's season right now. Why God has not done what you expected him to do. It's because your whole question was built on presumptions that are not based in fact. Amen. And so Jesus, Jesus discerns what they're doing in their heart. Are you following me here? And so they're saying to Jesus, these people that died, you know, like they're, they were, you know, come on, can we pronounce some judgment on these people? Because clearly bad things happen to bad people. Now, this concept is called the theodicy, and the theodicy is a concept that uh, God's divine uh, judgment comes upon those who do evil, and therefore, since God's judgment comes upon those who do evil, those who have bad things happen to them, it's because they're evil and it was God's judgment. Now, the theodicy is that God's judgment comes upon evil. The false application of that is to say that those who have bad things happen to them were being judged by God because they are evil. Do you see, do you see the difference here? Yeah. Come on, we've got to work a little theology. We've got to be just brighter Christians if we're going to fulfill God's purpose in our life. And so we can't say, oh, look, things didn't go well for them. Therefore, God is not with them. Yeah. See, in American Christianity today, everything is based on uh, success means you have more people, you have more money, you have more influence. That is, that, that and it just so happens to be the American dream. As if Jesus came up with a capitalistic American dream and said, church, this is what I want you to emulate. Uh, and so in, in Christianity today, we have to figure out, okay, what is God requiring of me? And am I fulfilling that? And so Jesus tells them like, hey, um, um, they're asking him why, what did these evil people do to have this judgment. And let's, let's pick it up here in um, verse 2, where he talks about this. He says, Jesus says to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, it's important to get the concept here, the conversation. we got to understand the stories that are being told in the scriptures. The people are saying to Jesus, those people died, it's because they're evil, right? And Jesus is like, wait a minute, do you think, you think like my father had something to do with that? Do you think that, like, look, wait a minute, you think they were bad, then, then you're good? You think that you have, you'll escape some sort of punishment because you're better than them? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you got you to gotta, you, you gotta get this wrong. You, you got this wrong. He says in verse 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. You will all likewise perish. Now, this this is insulting to people who have figured out that I am following God and therefore my life is going to be great. That is the false gospel. The false gospel is that since I follow God, I get the gods of this world to serve me. Since I follow God, God will allow me to get the fruit of mammon. Right? And, and, and Jesus is like, no, what you don't understand here, there's, there's a couple words I want to hit in this, in, this, in this verse right here. He says, no, but unless you repent, we'll hold on to that for a second, you will all likewise perish. That likewise right there, that also, depending on the, the verse, uh, the version that you uh, are reading, that means in the same way you will perish. And what that means is these people swiftly and without expectancy died and we're shamed. If you don't turn to God, you will at some point swiftly and likewise perish. What must I do to avoid that? Repent. That word repent there, it's a Greek word. Uh, The Greek word is metanoia. Now, in my Greek studies, I can tell you that I am 100% pronouncing that incorrectly, right? Like I am not, a. I do not speak Greek, I speak English words that sound like Greek. My wife was with me yesterday as I was listening to people speak it as I tried to emulate it. And I have found out that I'm not Greek and I don't speak Greek, right? But the word is metanoia, something like that, right? But, but I understand what the word means. Repent, metanoia, it means to change your mind about your current commitments to injustice and unrighteousness. You need to change your mind about current commitments to injustice and unrighteousness. You have to change one's mind in this way. It leads to a change in, watch this, conduct. We like to just say, well, I, I repent. No, no. Repentance is a change, not just in mind, but a change in mind that leads to a change in conduct. You, you can't just think repentance. You have to do repentance. Repentance. You have to bear fruit worthy of repentance. Otherwise, it's not real repentance. If you're in an abusive relationship and someone repents, you'll know the next time they get angry whether or not they have repented. That's when abuse manifests. They haven't repented until there's an opportunity to demonstrate repentance. It's a Greek word and it comes from a Hebrew word. And it means to return or to go back to. It's not just to turn around. It means to turn or to go back to, or, or even in some context, it means to go home. So Jesus is telling these people, look, you're in judgment, you're judging these people, and he's invited the audience to change their course and come home to God. You're standing in judgment of these people thinking that somehow your judgment of them will protect you from the same fate. But that judgment in itself makes you a candidate for that fate. You see how the devil tricks us into getting self-righteous in a way that will protect us from the cares of this world when that really leads us into the very judgment we want to be freed from. If they choose to not return, if they choose to not change their minds, they risk being ruined in the same way, suddenly unprepared. So Jesus is not suggesting that repentance will prevent them from catastrophic death. Rather, he's stating that changing their minds will prepare them for whatever they will experience, including producing fruit. Jesus said, listen, listen, listen. This whole system of judgment, this system of the world, this system of thinking that if I am judged as all my friends around me as being good, then good things will happen to me. And if anything bad happens to somebody, we get to judge them for being bad. And clearly, it's Jesus the one who judged them. Let's say metanoia. Let me hear you say it. Metanoia. Metanoia here's an easy way to remember this. Metanoia is like the new phrase for y'all need Jesus, right? Like y'all need Jesus. Like you see people acting crazy and you just want to say, y'all, y'all, y'all need Jesus, right? Like you see Instagram. Is anybody like, I'm in a season of hiding people on Instagram. Like they're not like enemies. So I don't want to unfriend them or unfriend them, but I just got to mute them. Is that anybody in that season? You're like, you're not, you're not someone I want to unfriend because you know, I don't want you to think that, but I don't want to see anything you're posting. Like, y- y'all need Jesus. Like, if I could just reply, y'all need Jesus, right? Like, this is, this is. And so, as we're preparing for Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, we, we want to we see the tragedies of the world, and we want to look at it and not say, man, y'all, y'all that, man, God is judging y'all. This, th- that's not what we want. We don't want to be pointing the finger of judgment at people we want to be saying, man, am I prepared for a like fate? Am I prepared for those seasons of life of trial and tribulation that the Bible promises all of us, am I able to have peace in the midst of the storm so I can see Jesus in the midst of my calamity and find the way out? you say amen? See, I want to go into the storm having a firm grasp on God's grace and His miracle-working power before I get in the storm. See, I want to go into the trial knowing that just because I'm in the trial doesn't mean God is angry with me, does not mean God has forsaken me, but that God has prepared me for this trial with his grace, with his anointing, with his power, with his love, with his acceptance, so that when I'm in the trial, the trial is not in me. Can you say amen? Amen. This This is what we want to do. We have a tendency to not cry out for God until we're in the calamity. I got to tell you, it is hard. It is hard to hear God in the calamity. It's hard to hear the way out of the calamity if you didn't know God before the calamity. Let me ask you this. Have you ever like, been in a real season of trial? You're away from God. Maybe it was before you gave your life to Christ. Or maybe you're in a kind of a, a lukewarm season. And, and, uh, and you got like out of nowhere, you just find yourself in the bottom of a pit. Life is hard you don't know what God is saying, you don't know the way out, you don't know how you got here, and you're praying to God, and you're crying out to God, and God is like, I'm with you. And you're like, yeah, great, great. Can we make the season end though? Right? Like, like you're like, and God, like, I desperately need your help. And he's like, I love you. You're like, God, that's, that is not the word I'm looking for right now. Is that, is that happening to anybody? You're like, I need a way out of this situation. He's like, I'll never leave you. <laughs> like, this is, this is this is this is not, he's like, but if you have been walking with God, if you've been walking with God in the fruitful seasons and you get into the trial, and God begins reminding you of who he is, I mean, that's like a lifeline. That is like, that is like a stairway out of the pit. That is him saying, the same God that blessed you in last season is with you in this season, and this is a season. It is not forever. There is a way out, and I am the God who's still walking with you through the trial. See, we, we, we have a tendency to only cry out when we're in desperate need instead of Seeking God in the fruitful season. In this story, Jesus goes on to tell these people who are walking in judgment. He tells them about this, this, this vineyard. And, uh, and there's, this, there's this tree in the vineyard and there's no fruit on it. And Jesus says, the guy who owns the vines, he doesn't live there. And he comes and he finds this fig tree and there's nothing on it. And he's like, let's just cut this thing down. And the guy who's in charge of the land is like, hey, don't cut this down. I'll give me another year, I'll fertilize it, and if it doesn't do anything in a year, we can come back and cut it. And like, if you don't know Jesus, you're like, what? What is that? Wait a minute, what, what, is, what is this? Wait, what does this story have to do with the people whose blood was being mixed with an offering? And this is Jesus saying, you, you need to ask better questions. If you had asked the right question, then this would have answered the right question. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to it, okay? Yeah, so, so the world, the world here, here's what I want to say. The world does not understand what's happening around us because we don't live in a world that values true prophetic revelation. I'm going to say it again. We are not living in a world that values true prophetic revelation. We live in a world that is looking for confirmation that you will get everything you want that all your lust will be fulfilled, all your greed will be fulfilled, and all your anger is okay. This is the world that we're, looking, that, that we're living in, and we're living in a world that elevates prophets who don't actually prophesy the word of the Lord. I was talking to uh, um, a, a friend of mine. Um, actually, I was talking to, it's so funny. You remember uh, Mario who came. And uh, Mario, I don't know if anybody remembers, years ago we had a prophet named Raphael come. Raphael Conrado came and, and, and ministered. And um, what's weird is, I know they, they're like friends, and I know both of them. And one moved to Lakeland from Brazil, and the other one moved to Kansas from South Florida. And I know the two of them. It was just just weird. You ever like your worlds collide? You know, it was like just, just weird. And so uh, I, I was talking to Mario about the prophetic, and in this season, and he said, when I moved to America, he said, I was talking to a friend of mine, Rafael Corrado. I said, I know him. And he said, he said oh, in, in America, is it hard? Do they kill the prophets in America? And Raphael said, no, they don't kill the bo- prophets in America. They buy them. They buy the because the way to make money in America is you prophesy that you'll get exactly what you want. I said, yes. That, and it answered the question. So there's this war going on in Ukraine, right? You're familiar with it, No. I saw this picture. You put up this picture for me, Josh. This is a downed Russian helicopter. I'm not excited about like if you are on the side of Jesus, you hate anybody dying. Right? We are pro life from womb to tomb. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, you're you're not Amen. You're not pro life if you're pro death penalty. You can't be pro life and pro death at the same time. You can't be pro war and be pro life you 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 know you just can't like you can't be pro abortion be pro life you you can't you're you're either pro life or you're not pro I'm pro life right i don't want anybody dying until it's time to go home right? That's what I want. And it's not time to go home when a bullet is flying at you. That is not the Lord's appointed time. But we have this guy, uh, this Russian helicopter, they got shot down. And I was looking at it, and um, I I noticed something. Since I'm into iconography, I'm into the Orthodox Church. We live in a world that does not know God or his ways. Put the next slide up, if you will. In the top left corner there, you see this guy is flying, attacking Ukraine. They're murdering civilians with his icon of Jesus there to help him. right in the left. He's flying with an icon of Jesus. And the, 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 the bishop of the Roman Orthodox Church has blessed the Russian army to go in, literally in his words, say to murder them all. These are prophets who do not know God. We live in a world with prophets, with Christian leaders, who do not put the value of Christ at the head of the church. Instead, we put things like, Do whatever it takes to get more people in the building. Do whatever it takes to get more money. Do whatever it takes to get more fame. Do whatever it takes to sell more books. And it is against the way of Christ. Now, I have said this time and again, if you're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, you and I are on the same team. We're not some isolated only church in the world that's preaching the gospel. I don't have some crazy thing like that. But this is antichrist. This is the antichrist spirit that masquerades as Christian nationalism. That Jesus is somehow on our side and it's okay for us to kill other people in the name because we're glorifying god you cannot glorify god in murder are you with me yeah 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 yeah. and the point of this they're given a false god And, and one more academic reading here right we're gonna just keep your brain on for one more second then i'll preach real good right so there was this um jewish philosopher uh, around in the 1930s, Nazism was um, really beginning to get big in Germany. This man moved to Israel. He was a theologian and a prophet. He's not a Christian, but he is a Jew. He's a, a philosopher, rabbi, a Bible scholar. And uh, in his uh, in his commentary on Jeremiah 28, excuse me, Jeremiah, yeah, on Jeremiah 28, he refs his 14. He writes this. Put it up if you would, please. I'm going to read it because it's small. Right? It says, false prophets are not godless. False prophets, I want you to hear this, are not godless. They adore the God success. They themselves are in constant need of success and achieve it by promising it to the people. The craving for success governs their hearts and determines what rises from them. This is what Jeremiah called the deceit of their own heart. They do not deceive, they are deceived and can breathe only in the air of deceit. This is the false prophetic that our world associates with evangelical Christianity. This is why... The millennials and younger are leaving the church because they have enough discernment to say, this is not Jesus. This hypocrisy, this self-serving, this I'm the most important thing in the room and our country the most important country in the world. This kind of false prophecy is being discerned by people where Jesus is raising up a generation to say, maybe the words of Jesus should be taken literally. Maybe we're supposed to love those that the world hates. Maybe we're supposed to serve those who are poor. Maybe Jesus was serious about the words that he preached, and we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. But the false prophet says, step on anybody you need to to get ahead. Take advantage of anybody you want to. Hey, who should we be modeling our lives after in this world. Hey, the billionaire who has people can't even take a break during their work shift. Those are the people that we should be modeling after. And I think Jesus would come to say, possibly you could settle for being a millionaire and make people's lives better, right? Like I don't want to give economic commentary here, but I just feel like the teachings of Jesus are applicable to more than Sunday morning. I just have a feeling that when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, it wasn't a Sunday morning service of us four and no more. He was actually in the marketplace, was actually in the field, was actually out there saying, guess what? The way you're living does not glorify God. Metanoia. Metanoia. You have a history of scriptures telling you to love justice, love the foreigner, love the immigrant, take care of the poor. And yet you want to point your finger at poor people who lost their loved ones in a sacrifice. Metanoia. Come home to a better way of living. Like, like come home. Like, amen. This poor guy has a picture of Jesus as an attack helicopter. He was sold a false god by a false prophet. That's a picture of my Jesus, but we're not worshiping the same God. We're not worshiping the same God. John, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is Paul speaking on the same subject. He says, listen, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren. Man, that's a really... Really, really cool way. I mean, that is a very, like, like that's, that's, that's like a super polite way of saying, hey, y'all, I, I want y'all to quit being ignorant, right? Like, I'll, y'all's ignorant, right? Like, it is, <laughs> y'all act like you don't know this, but now I'm going to make you aware of it, right? Like, now you can't say you don't know this, right? Listen, I don't want y'all to keep actin', acting ignorant, right? Our fathers were under the cloud... And all passed through the sea. Now, he's talking about the Jews coming out of Egypt, coming into the promised land, right? They were were led by a cloud. They passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. And they all ate from the same spiritual food. You remember the miracle food that God gave them? Remember the miracle bread and the miracle water? And they all drank from this spiritual rock. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Jesus. Now, he's telling the church in Corinth, I want you to to get this. Don't be ignorant. Remember, remember when our people, they were literally led by the glory of God. They were sustained by the glory of God. Like God himself brought them meat. God himself brought them bread. God himself brought them water, right? Verse 5, nevertheless, even so, And no matter all that, watch this, with most of them, God was not well pleased. For they were laid low. That's a fancy word for died. They died in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for who? As examples for us. So that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. Ooh, ooh, ooh. For us charismatic Pentecostals, man, this is, a, this is a word of warning for us. It's Like, yeah, 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 remember you were laid out on the ground. Remember you saw the glory, you know, had tea with the angels. And, you know, you were, you were Jesus' favorite and, 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 and had the lights and the stars and the twinkle. And the, you saw the man get up from his deathbed. And you saw the miracles and you had the prophecy. Remember all that? And he's like, nevertheless... Nevertheless, God was not pleased. Why? Because they craved evil things. He's like, I don't care. Like, good works are supposed to come from a good heart. Watch this. The works don't determine the heart. Their death and mingling didn't determine what their heart was. But how you viewed the death and their mingling Shows us what your heart is. You see this, right? right? He's like, they sinned against God like it wasn't a big deal. They, they were fed by the glory. Can you imagine being fed by the glory and still having an evil heart? Now, I hope your answer to that is yes, because that is me. Otherwise, you are the one pointing at the people who were murdered, thinking that we're better than them. And in this world, Jesus is looking for some people who will surrender their judgment. He'll surrender their uh, self-righteousness, surrender making their own rules, and will say, man, I need Jesus. Metanoia over me. Metanoia over me. They missed it. I'll tell you sure enough, I could miss it. Now watch this. Now Paul gets real with them. Verse 9 in 1 Corinthians 10, if you're there with me. He said, Watch this. Don't try God. Do not. This, this is Jesus talking to you. Do not try me. You ever get like upset with your kids, right? And you are just being so sweet. But those of you with, with boys, they get to an age, you're like, um, do not try me, right? Like I understand who we were, but now you're a little too grown to be talking to me that way. Do not try me. I'm from Delray. Things will happen. Like, I'm still trying to get it worked out, but do not, do not try me. We get that way in the church sometimes, right? People get a little too familiar, like, do, uh, do not try me, right? This is what, and so sometimes you're like, hey, brother, um, heard that thing you said, and I just, you know, I didn't know how to bring it up, but, you know... You cannot say that racist thing. That'd be nice if it would, you know, the Klan slogans that come out of your mouth. Oh, I know you don't recognize that's what they are. But uh, if you could just stop, you know, putting people in death's danger by talking about medical stuff you don't know nothing about. Like if we could just, you know, but then you get to the place where you're like, do not try me anymore with this nonsense. You, you know what I'm saying, right? This is Paul talking for God right now. Do not try God. Like you don't want to try him. Mess around and find out. You know what I'm saying? Like, do do do, you understand, right? Because some people are in the find out phase, right? Like you're like, and find out. This is Paul talking now. Do not let us try God like some of them did and were destroyed by who? The devil. That's the serpents. Mess around and find out, right? You start walking away from God like the enemy is not going to creep up and get you. Selah. Verse 10. How did they mess around and find out? Grumble as some of them did. And they were destroyed by the destroyer. The destroyer there obviously is the devil. I have seen in this season where people think they're more righteous than God and that somehow their self-righteousness qualifies them to stand in a seat of judgment. As if God has anointed them to be the judge. Pointing at the people over there. Not recognizing God is saying you are going to perish in the way that you think they were judged. By the way you are judging you will be judged. Judged. And I have seen this is a this is kind of like those of you, those of us prophets in the room. The 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 front let me tell you the most frustrating thing about being a prophetic person in the world. And this is this is where the prophetic people are getting it so wrong all over our country. There are words that God gives you that you are to speak, but most of the words God gives you you are to pray. And some of the words he gives you are to just like watch watch this. Watch this. Like what watch this. They think they win it. Watch watch this, right? Like, they, they don't know. It's like, it's like the guy uh, who, who, like, I, I like watching these YouTube videos. Like, I'm, I watch too much YouTube probably. I'm late at night. I got insomnia. Nothing else going on. YouTube's always there. He's like my faithful friend late in the midnight hour, right? And so I'm there hanging out with YouTube. And there's like these string of videos when, like, the pro athlete goes on to the team like he's an amateur. You ever see these? Like, the, like and so, like, there's a guy who's a pro quarterback, and he's trying out for a junior college team, and he's like, the average quarterback can throw a 30-yard ball, and this guy's throwing 70-yard balls, and every quarterback on the team is like, you're watching them realize they're losing their job, right? Like, that's the last game I'm ever starting for this team, right? Like, mess around and find out. Like, now, now watch, watch what is going to happen now, right? Or, 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 or Uncle Drew. Remember the movie Uncle Drew? And he dresses like an old man and he's schooling all the young people. Mess around. And, why? and so sometimes God, God will tell you things to be like, hey, um, there's some secrets I only share with my servants, the prophets. And you're about to watch something happen right now. And in this season, I, am, I, I had a... Um, ah, I shouldn't say I'm going to say it anyways. I don't care. Where, where are we at in the message here? Oh, I don't got time to be telling stories. Um, But you know, a lot of people stayed home, so a lot of people won't hear the story. I'll tell you anyways. The Lord gave me a word for someone about six years ago, seven years ago. And the Lord said, and I gave this person's word. I said, the Lord said, you're going to have a ministry like this person. And this person was very, very successful. Very successful in ministry. And um, good God, I probably should have kept this one to myself, but here I am. And let me just say this and i was like i have i'm very conscious of the fact that i give prophetic words and i have to own them and as i watched this person's walk um, and they're called to ministry like if if god has called you to do something it's probably best that you get ready for it yeah. right a lot of people are like hey pastor i feel called to be a worship leader i'm right i'm like all right man i got you what instrument do you play none how well do you sing not so great are you taking lessons? Like, did, did God say it? Because if God said it, it's time to get ready, right? So, like, imagine if God told you, hey, I'm sending a flood. You better take some swim lessons, right? You might want to build a boat, right? Like, you might want to figure out how not to drown, right? So, if God has called you to do something, it's time to start getting ready. Like, they needed to do anything. And I'm like, and as a matter of fact, it's like the longer I walk with them, the less they felt like they needed to do anything. And I'm like, God, did I miss it? Did I miss it? did I miss it? Did I miss it? I don't know. Do I revisit that word? And I didn't feel a piece to revisit the word. So I kind of hope they forgot it. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I hope they forgot it. I didn't forget it, but they forgot it. And, uh, and then eventually this person like had, a, a, in, in my mind, had a dynamic fall from grace. Blew up spiritually. Prophets give them like, I was like, ooh, that's ugly. And so I began thinking about that word that I gave that person. And right around the same time that this person blew up, this very well-known person lost their ministry. We're talking like six years later. This person is like famously and infamously discredited from ministry. I'm like, well, good God, that's an ugly one right there. Like, I thought I knew what the word meant. But the word meant the exact opposite of what... Of what I thought it meant. And so that told me, God knows. God knows all these things. He knows all these, like, do not tempt God, do not try Him. Verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. Do you, do you, do, you, do you, like, Paul is trying to say, like, listen, read your Bible. Learn from it, right? Read your Bible and learn from it. Are we good? Are we going all right? Because I'm not quite done yet. Are we good? Are you getting anything out of this? It's going to get better, I promise. It'll get happier. Are we all right, Duke? Are we tracking here? Are Are we tracking? Okay, good. Duke's on my side. I'm good then. The disobedience and rebelliousness of Israelites in the wilderness is a warning to us. We need to resist the temptations in these kind of seasons. But God provides and strengthens us if we'll allow it. Look, God is looking for you, and he's looking out for you. He's giving you prophetic insight to what's coming. He's giving you keys. He's giving you lessons so you can avoid the traps that these other people fell into. And for those of you who are running after God, I want you to hear this. The anointing is here for a prophetic people to know the times and the seasons. If I'm seeing this right, things are going to get uglier before they get better, and we better see what Jesus is doing. Jesus is purging his church of false idols. He is purging his church. The last two years, we have seen so many big-name people fall. God is doing something. And I don't point fingers at them. I look at me and say, Carl, where You You need to tighten up. Do not try God. Amen? Do not try God. We need to have a realization that I need God as much as anybody else. This is, we, at the beginning of service, for those of you who are the faithful remnant who show up to church on time, this, this is the psalm we read at the beginning of service. Psalm 63, 1 through 3. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus, I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness, watch this, is better than life. I have sought you. If you're wondering, like, why do I not feel that inner presence with God? Like, he's like, you, you need to be seeking him. We need to be seeking God. We need to, in this season, in between, in preparing for Easter. Like, like, like we have decided in our church, in this season, like, like all over the world, they're, they're, they're practicing Lent. And you're like, oh... That's religious. That's so re- Every church I know does a 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. Well, for, for I don't know, about 1,000 years, 1,500 years, almost 2,000 years, the church has done 40 days of prayer and fasting leading up to Easter. Uh, but some churches realize, no, no, that, that's religious. We'll do 21 days at the beginning of the year. Y'all are doing the same thing except inventing your own Christianity. Like, we just decided this year, we'll just join the rest of the globe. And and, and prayer and fasting and seeking God as we lead up to Easter. And and in this season, we want to appreciate what God has done for us at the sacrifice. And in this season of seeking God, the goal is to stay thirsty, right? I want you to remember this. Stay thirsty, my friends. (laughs) Spiritually, we need to stay thirsty, my friends. Are things going well for you? Stay thirsty, my friends. Are you frustrated and you're getting at the end of your rope? Stay thirsty, my friends. Do you feel like God is not a big part of your life? Stay thirsty, my friends. We need to thirst for the presence of God. I hope he's provoking you. Stay thirsty, my friends. Let me finish up with this. Isaiah 55. This is what Isaiah said way back in the day. Isaiah 55.1. Go ahead, Josh. He's taunting people now. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and, you'll have, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. This is God calling people to Him. Like, you don't recognize you're poor, and I got what you need. Yeah. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is what Jesus is talking about. You think that that is judgment, but my ways are higher than your ways. You think I'm mad at people and so I let them get murdered and have their blood mingled. My thoughts are not your thoughts. What you really need to do is come and drink from me. You need to get closer to me. You need to come and thirst for truth. Stop trying to figure out what I'm doing and come, just drink. Come, bask in the presence of God. Come and let God fill you, Jesus say. Listen, you can buy books, but you can't buy knowledge. You can buy sex, but you cannot buy love. You can buy water, but you cannot buy thirst. You can buy food, but you cannot buy hunger. You can get in church, you can get around the Bible, but you could still refuse to be humble enough to seek God and receive His presence. We need to be thirsty, my friends. We need to allow God to provoke hunger and thirst in us so that we can escape this sin and trap of judgment. Can we say amen? Come on up, band. I was uh, in prayer the other day. And uh, there was a situation that I want to see God move in. And He hasn't. And I was praying that prayer that maybe you've prayed, maybe you haven't. I think it was written back, I don't know, it was was this. God, where are you? you? Have you prayed that prayer? God, I don't know where we learned that prayer, but I was praying this prayer. God, where are you? In the world, like turned into a fog and I experienced the presence of God and God was like that's like asking where is the air God's like you think that you are sovereign and I'm somewhere else and he starts sharing with me no 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 no, son you I'm not apart from you you are in me there's nowhere you can go that I am not, God was saying. It's impossible for you to depart my presence. You are my son. You are my beloved son. Wherever you are, you cannot leave me. And so as I was stood there, and as I began to just recognize the presence of God, as I, as I began to seek His manifestation, it was like all of a sudden I saw the glory of God all around me. Instantly, my awareness changed. Instantly, I began to see that it wasn't me asking God to come here. It was God telling me, get a little bit hungrier for an awareness of my presence. Can you say amen? In Luke chapter 3, verse 6, let's go back to this story. Are we having fun? Is the, is the, the laptop terminal we, we good? We're not. It's, it's, it's not doing anything. We're just not getting sound. Are you guys okay with that? Can we just hum to ourselves maybe? What are you going to do? What are you, 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 you going to do? It's, it may or may not, but we'll just hum. If not, Brandon will put on some music. And we'll hear God. Let's go back to this verse. Go put the verse up if you would please. Luke chapter 13. And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. Right? Now you remember, you remember they were asking Jesus about this, why, why these people died. And Jesus tells him this story. A man had a, he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it. And did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, behold, for three years, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, let it alone, sir, for this year, too, until I dig it and put fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. This is, this is, give me some music, Brandon. This is a response. This is a story that Jesus told in response to the people being killed. And Jesus said, you're asking the wrong questions. Let me ask you better questions. In this story of the vineyard and the tree and the fruit, who are you in the story? So there's a guy who owns a vineyard this, these, these vines. But he doesn't live there. He pays someone else to take care of it. And he tells the guy, hey, this doesn't have any fruit. Let's just get rid of it. But the guy's like, I've been taking care of this thing since it was a seedling. I have poured my life into this thing. And you just want to destroy it? He's like, wait, just, just give me a year. Give me a year. Let me fertilize it. And let's, let's see what happens. See, this fertilizer in the Bible is, is dung. It's the waste. And i got to get some of this, 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 this waste and put it around this plant. And only by using this dung will it actually live. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe in this story, maybe you're the vineyard owner. And you don't care about the lives of the people in the vineyard. You only care about yourself. Maybe you only care about your prosperity, and you don't care if you have to destroy this man's work to get it. You, you, it doesn't matter. Maybe you're the vinekeeper in this story. Maybe you're the one who has tilled the land, like Jesus, who says, I gave my life for this. Let's not destroy things just because it's not bearing fruit yet. But maybe you're the little plant that's not bearing enough fruit right now. And the only way you're going to get there is through the humility of bowing down and allowing the dung in your life to get exposed. And today, I believe God is giving people an opportunity He's given people an opportunity to humble themselves and change their perspective on how things go. Stand with me if you would. We're going to close. In this season, in this season as we prepare ourselves for Easter, We we want to check our own hearts. And we want to see, Father, where am I in this story? Give me a little Brandon. Where am I in this story? Am I living in compassion, representing God in this age? Am I representing your heart, Father? Am I living thirsty? Am I living hungry? Am I living with a heart toward God? Or am I satisfied? And I feel like God wants us to just lay our lives down again and let Him know that He's worthy. Can we sing an a cappella version of worthy? Let's do that. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Sing it. For yeah. from <laughs> you are all. for today, and we pray that you'll be with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give a clap for the Lord. We love you today, Jesus. We love you, and we serve you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you on Sunday. If you're new here, I'd love to meet you in the lobby, and uh, we will be with you. If you need any prayer, ask somebody near you, because we're a praying people. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Amen. unplugged.